There are many things in life that are activated by sound. Now, some of these things are electronic. I think about things like the clapper. You remember that? There was things where you could just clap on lights or clap off lights. And then we eventually got to the days of, of Surrey and all these other things where a voice and a sound can shift something. But I'm not sure that there's anything quite as powerful as when the voice of God moves a thing. When his voice, when his heart, when his spirit makes a sound within you that shifts the trajectory of your life. And then there are the people that God brings to the earth, the ones that he makes voices for him. When they give a sound and it brings forth testimony or truth, edification or peace. There's nothing quite like meeting a person who was put on the earth to be a mouthpiece for God. I love the concept of hope rising. And during season one, so many people came on and they gave their stories of how they bring hope into the world. But then there's something special when God has chosen a vessel to bring hope as a messenger for him. And so today's episode is one that I'm very excited about. During season one, most of the people that I spoke to were people that I didn't really know before the episode, but this is someone that I have watched, um, that I have listened to. My wife has done the same, and we've gleaned so much wisdom and insight and courage in our walk of faith with God. And so this is an episode that I really think is going to bless you guys, that's going to just um, give you a, a whole new perspective on what it means to walk courageously and boldly through your life. And so today I'm bringing on Prophetess Kay Nash. Welcome to Hope Rising. Oh, thank you so much for that introduction. <laughs> um, I'm glad to be here and thanks for watching. Absolutely, me. <laughs> absolutely. I was going to say I'm a fan, but I don't think that's the, those aren't the right words, right? When you, when you watch somebody to be edified, it's a, it's a different thing than fandom. It's um, more you feel like um, you're watching a sister who is, who is just being a mouthpiece for God. And so, so today mm -hmm. I, I would love to just sit down and talk a little bit about your journey and your walk. And so, for anybody who doesn't know you, there's a lot of people probably watching today who have heard of you and have been touched by you with your ministry. But could you talk a little bit about, you know, who do you tell people you are? <laughs> How do you explain to people who you are when they meet you? Um, it depends on who I'm talking <laughs> to. But um, I think, you know, to the stranger, I might just say I'm in ministry or something like that, because I think the prophetic is kind of this subject that's out mm -hmm. there a little bit. And so I feel like you have to navigate culture correctly um, through the Holy Spirit kind of telling right. you what to say. But I, if if someone is in the spirit-led flow, I'll say that. Like, I guess I'm a messenger of the Lord. I'm his prophet. Um, I'm his vessel. And I deliver words to people all over the world. I've delivered thousands of accurate individual words and um, tons of corporate words as well. Um, and so, yeah, that's pretty much me. Um, I used to work in television. Um before I did this. And so that was my uh, worldly career. And then God called me into ministry. And I don't know, I've been doing this for about 
11, 12 years now. Amazing. I, I will say, um, for anyone who's never heard her words, when she delivers the corporate ones, they'll still hurt your feelings sometimes. Uh, they'll, <laughs> you'll still feel like she's in your business. You're like, now how do you know what is happening in our lives? Uh, that's actually, I think, what made my wife and I really start watching you so consistently was that it felt like, you know, there's a lot of, of prophetic voices out there. Now, some of them are legitimate, genuine prophetic voices, and some of them aren't, which we can talk about. Um, but it seems like yeah. the words that you bring forth seem to always be in line with what we're going through in our lives and, and that mm. there's something special about that. Mm. So I guess I would love to start with mm. <laughs> how does a person begin to hear God? There's a lot of people who are listening who maybe they've never heard the voice of God before. Maybe they don't even think that that prophets are real and, and messengers mm. of the Lord. When did it happen in your life that you really started to hear the voice of God? Mm. Well, I guess... Yeah, it's a couple different things. I guess I'll kind of share my story and then maybe I'll share some tips for people that are watching. Mm -hmm. For me, like I grew up in like a spirit filled household, but I wouldn't say spirit led. Um, so mm. what I mean by that is it was more Pentecostal in the sense of it was very outwardly like, okay, we're speaking in tongues, we're praising God, but we don't have like that one on one with God if that makes mm. sense. And so like, mm -hmm. there was never any talk about, I heard God say this, I talked to God, like none of that kind of talk. And um, I actually, because of the way I was brought up, I ended up going into a church that wasn't spirit filled. I kind of wanted to walk away from that um, mm -hmm. because of, you know, just things weren't adding up to me and whatever. And so I, I guess one day I was in a small group in this non-spirit-filled church and the leader of my group, she she must be spirit-filled. And she said, I want everyone to go home and ask the Lord what he thinks about them. And mm. I was like, what? Like, I don't know. I was just like <laughs> shocked. I think I was like 21 at the time, something like that. And I was like, I didn't know God could speak to us, you know, in that way. Like I knew that God spoke to prophets in the Bible and things like that, but not like me, a random person, you know? And so, um, so I went home and I said, okay, God, you know, if you're real, then talk to me, you know? <laughs> and I heard this voice say, you're beautiful. And that was the first thing God ever spoke to me. And mm. I kind of like had a lot of insecurities w around my physical appearance and stuff. Um, I grew up, my dad died when I was a young girl. So I didn't have that male like affirmation um, as a child. And so I also had just been in a lot of like toxic relationships. And so again, I didn't have that, you know, affirmation from a male. And so I just felt like the Lord kind of just cut through all the noise and spoke mm. what I needed to hear in that moment. And I knew that God was speaking to me. But then I thought this right directly afterwards. I thought, if God can speak and God knows everything, I need to ask God about everything. And so I became obsessed with asking God about everything. I'm talking, should I go to the bathroom? Should I go to this <laughs> restaurant? Should I answer this phone call? Like all that kind of stuff. And in the course of like a year and a half, I wrote like, maybe 25 journals of hearing what I thought God was hearing. Now, mind you, at this time, I didn't know what discerning the spirits was. So it was kind of harder. In, I would say some of those journals 
were not fully accurate, you know, because Mm -hmm, it was like, I didn't know how to discern the spirits. I was just trying, but I didn't have the tools because I wasn't in a spirit led church to give me those tools. And so I was like learning how to swim in the oceans of the Holy Spirit, you know, without anyone telling me how to swim. So it was, it was a little sloppy the first like couple years. I I'll say that. Um, And then I went through this dramatic situation um, years later where I had thought God told me something and it turned out that he didn't. And I kind of got myself in this situation where I was just really confused. I was like, okay, God, I really thought you were saying that, but obviously you weren't. Um, And so what in the world, you know, like, how do I know <laughs> that I know that I heard you, you Come know, on. because yeah. I think I wanted that security. Um, and so um, what I, I then the Lord led me to, you know, the verse in scripture in first John four, one through three, where it says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. By this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that is not of God. And it was just such a simple scripture. And I, I had read through the entire Bible before, but it was like God highlighted it to me in a different way and made it real to me. So then when I heard these voices telling me they were God, I would ask them, has Jesus Christ come in the flesh? And Mm. some of them would say no. (laughs) And I realized that some of those voices that I was hearing were actually demons pretending to be God. And I learned a hard truth that demons can say they're God, demons can say they're Jesus. And it's not as black and white as people think it is, just jump in the prayer closet and you're going to hear God perfectly every time. No, the devil doesn't want you to hear God perfectly. It is a walk, you know? And so then I became really accurate and I started prophesying over everyone everywhere. And my ministry just naturally birthed. Like I wasn't trying to start a ministry at all. It was, Mm -hmm. I was just, God would say, tell this person that. And I would tell them that. And before I knew it, it was kind of like everyone wanted me to give them a word. And then I had to kind of like, okay, I need to form. I, so then I started having like, you know, meetings and just being like, all right, then come over to my house because I'm not going to go every to everyone else's house. Like, let's try to organize this. And, you know, <laughs> it kind of grew from there. But I guess my tips to people would be, obviously what I said is discern the spirits, but also the Bible says those who diligently seek me will find me. You know, you have to have that consistency. I think sometimes people think, well, I spent five minutes with God today. I don't know what he's saying. And it's like, well, that's not enough. I hate to just say that. Like, it's just like, I think we have this like, you know, hyper grace culture where it's just kind of like, okay, if you spend time with God, that's good enough. Here's your star. And maybe that's okay when you've been following the Lord for a year. But if you've been following the Lord for 20 years, that is not okay. Like you need to sit there and saturate in his word, seek his face. And the more you do it, honestly, the better you get at it. So, yeah. Well, you know, what I, I love about the beginning of what you described is, you know, for that girl who began that journey, right? Mm. The one thing she was doing was seeking the Lord in every area of her life, right? Mm. I think about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart mm. and lean, not under your understanding, right? Submit yeah. to Him in all your ways and He'll mark your path straight. Right. And so, so to feel like, you know, a lot of people would listen to that explanation and say, oh, that's way too much. 
The reality is for a person who's truly walking with the Lord, I really want to know, Lord, do you want me to call this person or not? Should I text this person or not? How should I interact? And so that relationship with God was really a a, a fantastic foundation for you. And then you talked a little bit about how how much time a person should spend. Now, I heard you uh, in, in a video sp- tell a story about there was a period of your life where I think you said it was like six or seven hours a day that you were just like sitting in prayer. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was five to six, but yeah, that is pretty much what I said. And um, yeah, it was after I had quit working in television, I didn't have a job. And so if you have a job, obviously, like, that's not realistic, okay? Like, this is when you don't have a job, okay? Because what else are you doing if you don't have a job, okay? So maybe you should spend time with the Lord. But it's like, yeah, I think I spent, I would spend five or six hours with the Lord every day for about two years, I think that was kind of. And, you know, in that two years, like for the first year, I was really focused on Mm. physical healing. Um, And so every single person I prayed for in that year got healed. And I think there was a reason for that. It was because the presence of God drips on a person. You know, the more you're in his presence, the more, geez, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. The more you're in his presence, the more it drips on you. And that's how we get revival. It's not from having another revival meeting. It's from getting more in his presence because the more you're in the presence, the more it drips. And so I think that obviously everyone's different with how much time they should be spending with the Lord. So I'm not trying to like put this on anyone. And I always try to say that because then people feel condemned. I can't spend five hours with the Lord every day. Like that's so unrealistic, you know, but can you ask God how much time you're supposed to spend and stick with that? You know, because it's like, maybe it is 30 minutes for you. You know, maybe it's two hours for you, whatever it is. But as you are obedient to that amount, that's how you see your breakthrough. Mm. So what do you say to somebody? They're, they're listening today and maybe, maybe they've been walking with Christ, but they've never experienced a lot of the things you're, you're speaking about. They, maybe they have diligently sought a relationship with God as they've seen it but they've never seen what you're mm-hmm. talking about, the presence dripping on a person and that type of interaction. Mm-hmm. How does a person mm-hmm. seek God in that way? What does that look like? You know, the Bible says God resists the proud. And it's like, I think we have to humble ourselves when we get in the prayer room. It's like, I think sometimes people come in and they already know what they want God to say. They already have a feeling of what they want to do. And they haven't come into that position of surrender. And it's like, as we lay before the Lord and I, people say, is that literal? Okay. <laughs> yes, it's literal. It's like, as we lay before the Lord and if you, you know, you're physically unable, you can kneel, you know, or something. If you're in a wheelchair or something, you can bow your head, but positioning yourself in a posture of humility, because as we humble ourselves, it exalts us. And so it's like, I think you have to be in the correct position and you have to be consistent. But I often find and I hate to say it, but so many times when people tell me like they can't hear God, it's pride. Mm. It's like because God resists the proud. And it's like there's something in their life that's so prideful that they just have to do it their own way. You know, they're not willing for God to talk to them in that area. You know, sometimes God, Jesus, I feel the Lord right now. It's like sometimes God, you hear people, you could hear God well in a certain area. Like say this person hears God really well in finances. Like they know what financial moves they need to make, but relationships, they a hot mess. They can't hear God about anything. That person comes into their life and they're like, Hey, God's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, so sometimes we are surrendered in one area. 
but we're not surrendered in another area. And because we're not surrendered in that area, it makes us it harder to hear God. Mm, that is so good. That I find that to be so real. Um in my own life, I've had to actually look at it like even in the areas where I'm good, those are actually the ones that I need to surrender first. <laughs> right? Mm. So in other words, mm. you know, my creativity. Because you think you know the way. Right? Because, because now I'm yeah. like, well, what did you say? You said people go to God, but they go to God almost with their own agenda. So I'll be like, okay, God, mm. so we can either do it this way or we can do it that way. <laughs> right. Which way would you like to do it? That's right? It. Which is now me playing God. And so it is... Mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually quick to surrender in the areas where I know that I don't know. But the areas where I mm-hmm. think I know, that's a deeper surrender. And I think that there's something mm-hmm. in there's a, there's something humbly that every individual needs to say, I don't know what I don't know about how I need to surrender. God would you show me? Right. God would you teach me? Holy mm-hmm. Spirit would you move in me? And I think that there's something mm-hmm. in that what does that look like for you as you have grown and matured in your own faith and then, of course, taught so many other, others how to do it as well? I mean, it's death to self, you know? It's like, I think it's a daily death, though, you know? I mean, because, like, on a given day, anything could become an idol, right? It's like, you know, what wasn't an idol yesterday is now an idol today, you know? And so it's like, I think it's really, you know, the Bible says out of the heart flows the issues of life. Mm -hmm. And so I think so much of hearing God well is also knowing what your heart is saying and being able to differentiate between the sound of your heart and the sound of the Holy Ghost, which I think a lot of people struggle with that because, you know, in our being, you know, our heart is here, but the Holy Spirit often speaks here. And so they're right next to each other. And so when our heart is loud, it almost stops you know, us from hearing the Holy Spirit. And so a way we can kind of combat that is through journaling. You know, it's like we can get all of our emotions and all of our, as crazy as they are, it can be as crazy as it needs to be. Just get it all on paper so your heart is quiet. Then when your heart is quiet, you can seek the Lord and say, okay, now what are you saying? Because I've stilled myself. You know, if we've had a crazy day and, you know, there's been five fires that have happened and then we're trying to hear God, it's going to be harder. You know, we have to master the art of stillness before the Lord in order to really hear him well. Master the art of stillness before the Lord, which also means allowing God to in to still you on the inside mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. you still. Yeah, that's so good. I'm I'm a huge advocate of journaling as well. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a coach and I'm also a counselor. And so I have mm-hmm. just learned that it is when you allow some of the things that are flooding your insides to be released, that all of a sudden the, mm-hmm. the flood of the Holy Spirit can come in. That's real. And that's mm-hmm. so, so sincere. And so you said that as you started to really sit down and focus on prayer, then your focus is turned to not only you're building your relationship with God, but then healing and all these different things. How did you know that that was possible? Was that because of, of that Pentecostal background or Holy Spirit told you? Or how does that even happen? That's really a good question. <laughs> a question that I probably should be asked more. Um, I, yeah, I did grow up in a Pentecostal background, but my dad was always sick and in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So figure that out, you know? Mm-hmm. So we didn't believe in supernatural healing. And even if we did, we didn't believe it was for us. We didn't talk to the Lord. Um, and so it was kind of like a weird upbringing. But what started happening is, you know, I went me and my girlfriend um, in television, we decided we were going to read through 
the whole Bible in a year together. And so we would read four to f- four. If you read four to five chapters a day, you could do the whole year. And so it's really only 15 to 20 minutes. It sounds daunting, but it's really not. And so then we, um, so we decided to do that together. And as I was doing that, as I got to like the new Testament part of it, I was like, wait a minute, like, you know, like what's all this supernatural healing stuff and can we walk in it ourselves? You know, um, because I, you know, I, I think for a while I had read it from this place of like, that's what something that happened, mm-hmm. like a historical event with right. the Lord and the Lord did it. And if you're not a disciple or the Lord, then that's it, you know? Um, and I started getting this sense that there was more. And then I was introduced to John G. Lake supernaturally. I found a book in my house from John G. Lake that I would have never bought, that no one around me would ever have because I was in a spirit-led church or non-spirit-led church, sorry. And so I was like, I have no idea how this book got here, but I read it and I read all the, the sorry, stories I'm of sorry, John I'm G. Sorry. Lake. You're saying a book appeared in your home that, that no one purchased? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) I needed to make sure I heard that right. (laughs) Yeah, you heard that right. (laughs) I mean, it's possible someone snuck it in there, but it's hard for me to understand that because of the groups of people that I was in. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, like I'm in a non-spirit filled church. My parents didn't believe in supernatural healing. And if they did, they didn't walk in it. And so... Who would be giving me this book is secretly in my house, you know? And so I don't know. I like, I still to this day, like, don't have an exact, like, you know, where did that come from? But, you know, God is God. Like, God can transport people. He could also transport items. Sure could. And so, um, Jesus. <laughs> but anyway, so, it, you know, it showed up in my house. I read it. And I was like, oh, my God, like, there's just so much more to see a man like John G. Lake, who's not a disciple, not Jesus, just a man, a humble man who like walked in these big powers and miracles. I was like, there's got to be more. And then I what how it actually all started was my neighbor who was a Mormon, her and her daughter were Mormons. And I would talk to them from time to time. And she invited me over one day. She's like, do you want to have some tea? Like, let's just chat and hang out. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And I went over there and um, we're chatting and her daughter had a head to toe rash. All her whole body was covered in a rash. And um, I feel the Lord telling me in that moment, you need to like pray for her, you know? And so I was like, okay, so I pray for her. And I had never seen supernatural him before. So I was just like, I pray for her and I don't even know, like, oh, you should check it, like see if something happened. So I, I didn't even do that. Like I just prayed for her. And I forgot about it. And 45 minutes passed and her mom looks at her daughter and says, the rash is gone. The rash is gone. And her whole body had been covered in this rash. And I was like, we were sitting there like, what in the world? Because none of us, like they're Mormons, you know, and I'm like not in a spirit filled church. Like we haven't seen this stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? And so we're all sitting there like, what just happened? You know? And so then the mom, like I ended up praying for the mom too, who, who had back pain for 18 years and was on medication. And she ended up being healed from the back pain and was able to get off the medication as well. And so that moment, my first encounter that's my first encounter with supernatural healing it was besides myself but you know outwardly it's just like I was like oh my gosh like this is for now you know because I just saw it happen 
like right before my eyes and like no one can take this from me. And so I just started praying for people that were sick around me. And then, you know, it just started, people started saying, get in my car. We're going to see this family member. And I'm like, okay, like it just started getting really weird, you know, cause I didn't have an official ministry or anything. So it was just like that throw K in the car and let's go. I'm like, where am I even going? You know, but that's kind of how it started, I guess. That sounds like a real, real weird game. Let's play throw K in the car today. So where are we going? Uh, <laughs> if only there yeah, was a camera. It was a, a crazy game. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And so you start to experience the supernatural um, in so many ways. And one of the things that um, I feel like is kind of unique to my walk with the Lord is that I kind of um, really started to um, walk with God later in life. I was in my 30s. And mm-hmm. I, I also grew up in a way where, you know, the, the church that I went to, I, I believe that they were trying to follow the Lord, but it was not a spirit filled church at all. And um, mm-hmm. I, di- I didn't think that you, most of the people who were doing the things that they were doing in the church, it, they, were, they were really good you know, actors on Sunday. You know what I mean? Like they they walked in yeah. depressed, they walked out right. depressed, and they were hallelujah in the middle. And so I was I had I could discern that, I could see that as a young kid. Mm-hmm. And so I am in my 30s and I'm depressed and suicidal and just in a terrible place. And mm-hmm. and I start screaming at God. I mean, at the mm-hmm. top of my lungs, what is the point of this existence? Why am I here? Mm-hmm. So stuck, so broken, so lost. And in that moment, I had a vision and then I heard God start to speak. And so at that point, it was almost like I believed that anything was possible, right? Like it was like a moment of time with God. I knew that everything that was everything could happen. And I think that one of the things that's unique for me when I look at healing and I see healing is that I see that healing is both a moment and a journey, right? That after the moment that the healing comes, you now have a different need for God, right? It's actually been exposed mm. how much you need God. I've heard you teach how people need to, to journey with the Lord. Could you describe that for someone? What does it look like to really journey and grow and mature in God, not only in their spiritual gifts, but just in their walk of faith? Hmm. I think a lot of it is consistency. Because I think what you said is some people have these moments, right? They have these encounters and then do they live out that moment? You know, I've had people before where it's like they've come to a meeting, they've been supernaturally healed by God, and then, you know, they start talking themselves out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like they'll be like, oh my gosh, the Lord just healed me. They'll feel the fire of God hit them. Because sometimes people want their sicknesses because it gets them attention, you know, and there's a victimhood there. And, you know, it's not to like lessen people. Did you see Jason's face? I'm sorry. Did you see Jason's face when you said that? His face was classic. (laughs) He made a whole face. He said, ooh. (laughs) I'm so sorry. because I mean, because it's true. But I was just like, yikes. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm a prophet. We just say stuff sometimes. It ain't right, but we just say stuff. But, um, but you know, I think because it's like we have to recognize, you know, there's a spirit of infirmity, you know, and it's like sometimes people are addicted to spirits, you know, because it's like, oh, when I'm sick, so and so makes me lunch, or so and so helps me out, or so, and we don't, we might not, and this is the crazy thing, we might not even be able to vocalize that, right? It's like it might be past our mental 
you know, thing. It might be past our heart. It might be into our conscious, you know, and when it's in our conscious, only the Holy Spirit can reveal that, you know, the Holy Spirit will just be like, this is why you're doing it. And you've never thought that way before, but you're like, actually, that is why I'm doing it. And you didn't even know that was why you were doing it. And so I think it's, again, what we talked about being surrendered, but it is being consistent because I've seen many people at conferences and they get words and they get excited and they do nothing with it, you know, and I've seen people that we started out a similar way, you know, and now it's a decade later and they're still in the same place because they didn't have that consistency with the Lord of I'm going to be with the Lord every day, no matter what, no matter what this world throws at me. You know, on my wedding day, I still got up and was with the Lord. You know, I didn't have to do that because a million things are going on, but I recognize that I can't even get through this day if the mm-hmm. Lord is not in it because it will be a hot mess. You know, it's like there's too many details. And so it's just like, but it's that reckon, recognizing I need the Lord to get through life, you know? And if you, whenever you really recognize that it pushes you into consistency, cause you're like, you notice the days you fall off. You're like, that day didn't go really well. You know, even if something good happened, you don't feel great about it because it's like, you didn't put first things first, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. And what I learned is it's not just doing it first thing in the morning, because that's like one. But number two is seek it first in your heart, because you might be like, okay, God, I did that by, you know, and he's not actually first. You're just doing it as a religious activity. You know, it's like you have to say, okay, no, you're really first. If you want to blow up this day and make it different or do something different, like I'm open to that. And I think, I think a lot of following the Lord too is really being open you know, just being open, you know, like, God, you want to do this today. I don't know why you want to do this today, but I'm just going to step into it. And as you step into that, you just start finding yourself in very interesting places because it's like one thing just leads to another and you just, you just follow him. I don't know. Hopefully that answered it a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It did. And, and just so far, because as, as we're talking about your journey, Kay, um, for, for me, whenever I hear somebody talk, I, I try to find the patterns in a story. And what, what it seems like your pattern in your story is, is that the first thing that you hear a guy say is, you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Kind of already establishing this daughter-father relationship. Mm-hmm. And so then from there, like he's got your trust, it sounds like immediately um, from mm-hmm. what I'm hearing from you. And so it's like, it seems like your walk is just a walk of faith and humility. Because you're like, well, I feel like God's telling me this or, hey, I'm writing stuff down. I think it's God may not be. And even through, you know, the 25 journals you said that you wrote, it takes faith to do that. It takes Mm -hmm. so much faith to do that, to say, this is what I think you're saying. I'm going to write it down. And Mm -hmm. then the humility, like, "Mm, that wasn't quite it. (laughs) (laughs) But 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 even, you know, with your first um, experience with supernatural healing, it was just like, God, can that happen? It is it's like this faith, it's this childlike faith that mm-hmm. it seems like you've had throughout your journey and this humility. Because like you mentioned earlier, um, sometimes it's that pride that comes in that we can't hear God clearly. Um, and it just seems like with your journey, like if somebody were to look into your life and for our listeners mm-hmm. today, you give a good blueprint of like, hey, faith and humility get you through the, the door. Like it, it gets you through. You want to hear me? 
Come to me like a child, like he says in the mm. word, you know, mm. God favors the humble, opposes the proud. And mm. in seeing somebody like you and operating in your ministry, even to the point, and Maurice, if I may ask this question too, um, as, as you're talking about your journey, the, the journey that it took to go from being in TV and not like mm. any, reg, like NBC, like Universal, like you were in TV to then transition to full-time ministry. Can you take us through like what that journey was like for you? The the kind of faith and humility that it went through. What what was that moment in time a decade ago? Take us back to the decade ago where God says, Okay, time to leave. <laughs> Did he sound like James Earl Jones? <laughs> is that is that, <laughs> is that what it was? Okay. <laughs> I need you to move. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But yeah, if you could just yeah. take us through that part of your journey. Yeah, sure. I, you know, I, I got into television at a really young age, probably like 12 or something like that. And I think it was because as a young girl, my father, when he was alive, he used to film me on like video camera. Like he, I would just walk around and I would like, I'd be like, five, you know, and I'd be like, today I'm reporting that there's a fire truck in the neighborhood, you know? And so it just kind of like, it was kind of like a joking, funning thing with my father, but it turned into a career because it's like, I had those foundations at such a young age of being on camera that at 12 or 13, I was kind of like, um, I, I was given an opportunity to go on Fox and they were doing, um, this Fox teen news show. And, um, I just, I kind of, it was one of those God things where it was like um, someone else was supposed to do the show. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. They needed someone right now. And I just happened to be that person. And I started working with Fox. And so it was like, so I was just kind of birthed into it. And then, um, yeah, so I got to the point in my career where I was in the 19th market. And um, I don't, I probably... I guess like New York is number one. Okay. When you get to New York, it's number one. And I was kind of like in a year, I could probably be in New York, um, you know, producing out there. So I was like a year away from like the big times because my contract was up in a year. And so I was like, you know, and I had done a lot of things. I had been on a lot of networks and, you know, just I've, I've done it all in television. But so anyway, so I was like in my career and, um, but I wasn't happy, you know, it was like this nonstop, um, like always working, you know, just like I would have to come in at 1am or 3am or whatever, work 12 hour shifts, I can't even go to the bathroom because there's breaking news. And you know, it was that bad, you know, I would drink four cups of tea a day and just be living on caffeine and you know, just everything. I still drink tea. So I still, you know, kind of live <laughs> on caffeine, but it ain't at that level. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, like we said prior to the show, you have a toddler, you know, you gotta live on some caffeine, 100%. but but anyway, um, and so, yeah, I would just like, I was like, this is, and I just wasn't getting paid a lot. I, I think sometimes people like think that when you work in television and you, you know, you interview celebrities and politicians, like the check is going to be there and it's not for everyone. Like, it's like, unless you're like those big household names, like it's like, it's not always there because they see it as like an honor to be in television. You know, it's not like, oh, you got to pay your dues kind of thing. And then one day, you know, someone will write you the big thing. And it's, it's just not, 
the 99% don't make that, you know, it's the big dogs that do. And so I wasn't making a lot of money. I was working nonstop. And I was also in fear, like, um, in the sense of like, we're always talking about kidnappings and rapes and murders and shootings. And it's like, all day long, all day long. It's like another kidnapping, another rape, another murder, like, and you're just like, I can't, I can't deal with this. It's, it just becomes so heavy that you almost need a counselor for going to work. Like, <laughs> it's just a lot. It's a lot to deal with. And, um, and so I kind of came to this point where I was just like, I don't want to preach fear, you know, cause I worked in news mostly. I did do some talk shows, but I mostly worked in news. It's like, I want to preach hope. You know, and I feel which your name, your podcast now I think about it, but it's just like because I just am sick of telling everyone everything that's wrong with the world. I want to tell them that there's good things in the world and whatever. And so, you know, God had me quit my job and it was a really hard thing because I had kind of got the the gravy job you know i finally had got to the point where it was like i had the eight to five shift you know i had a salary you know and um people were jealous of my position you know and whatever but it was like the lord told me to quit and i i wasn't sure about it so i called one of my spiritual mentors at the time and i said i think the lord's telling me to quit my job and i honestly thought she was going to be like uh, no, you know, don't do that. Cause so many people say that kind of stuff. Like the Lord's telling me to quit your job. And it's like, you're just angry at your boss, dude. And it's not like <laughs> actually the Lord. And so, um, and so I was kind of thinking she would say something to me like that, but she's like, no, the Lord is telling you to do that. And I was like, like, and so I like, I went in and I quit my job and they thought I was crazy. They thought I was crazy because of like how far I had gotten. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would want the job that I had. And, um, I was like, no, listen, like I, you know, I, I need to quit my job. And they were like, you need to go see our psychiatrist. That's really what happened. And because I told them, God told me I shouldn't do that. I've learned now. Like, you don't just like say <laughs> things like that to people who have no scheme for that. Right. Um, I was like, God told me to quit my job. They're like, you're hearing voices now. Like we're going to send you to the work psychiatrist to talk to them. And I was like, no, I'm good. Like I'm good. I don't want to talk to psychiatrist. And they were like, no, I think you need to be vapor acted or whatever that's called. And so they sent a cop to my house to try to put me in like some kind of like they pink you know, psycho you? ward. What? You got pink slipped. That's what that's Is called. That what it's called? That's what that's know. called. Yeah. Yeah. So they, and so the cop came to my house and, um, basically said this to me. He's like, no, they did like an evaluation on me. And they're like, no, she's not crazy. She's just mad. And so they just like, and they laughed and I didn't, I wasn't like, you know, whatever. And I was like, I felt like I learned the hard way right there. Like, be careful who you talk about this stuff to. Like not everyone can hear this. Um, and so, yeah. So then I quit my job and I had nothing, you know, and, um, God kind of just told me to give up most of my stuff and, um, follow him. And like, I'm talking everything, like I'm talking bed, all my shoes, all my bag, all my work clothes, everything like that. And so everything I have now is from the rebuilding, like none of it's from before, you know, like I went from like, I grew up poor. I went to the top interviewing celebrities, politicians, you know, give it all up, start at the bottom, you know, again, with literally nothing and then build it all again. And so I've kind of, you know, been on this journey of craziness 
But it's just like, but I guess now I know that everything's from him, you know, so it wasn't stuff I built in my flesh. It was stuff the Holy Spirit gave to me because, you know, as we delight in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. And so it's just like a different level. I don't know. That was probably a long answer, but yeah. No, it was an an appropriate answer. And uh, Jason and I just looked at each other because we've both been in very similar journeys in this phase of our lives. Um, I was, what, two Two and a half years ago, I was working at a uh, one of the largest churches in Cleveland, and I was a TV mm. personality, and I was hosting their TV show. Mm. And I heard, I heard the leave now uh, from the mm. Lord, and it was the same moment of now, am I crazy or was that God? And I looked at my wife as soon as I heard it; she was sitting in the same room, and I said, "Pray, do you hear God saying anything?" And she said, "Leave now." And I was now you know how how rare that is for a husband and a wife at the same time to hear the same thing from God, right? And so yeah. um and it was within within a month we had left our church, left the job, left the place we lived at. Like our entire wow. lives were uprooted in a moment. Uh, and J- uh, and Jason has been in a very similar situation of just being uprooted and shifted um from where he's been in his past few years of his life to where he is now. So no, that was far more appropriate um, for us. Um, And so, you know, if you guys, first of all, before I ask the next question, if you guys have been enjoying uh, this interview, make sure that you subscribe uh, to this podcast, leave your thoughts, your comments, your feedback. If there's something that's been said so far by Kay that has blessed you, we want to know what it is. Make sure you share this with somebody who needs to hear it. Um, so I know that I don't want to take up too much more of your time, um, but I do just have a, a little bit more. And maybe Jason might have another question too. Um, but you know, so so from that moment, you you leave that situation, and over the last few years, you have literally, uh, with uh, clearly with with the work of the Lord, built a ministry um, that is really. Um, not only uh, renowned throughout the country, but it's international at this point. What has that journey been like for you? I mean, I'm sure, is it something you saw coming? Did he give you a glimpse of it at the beginning? Or is it, has it just completely caught you off guard what has happened in in your journey and in your life as your, in your ministry? Um, I think both. I mean, I, when I started in ministry, I started preaching outside, you know, and I, I remember one time the Lord told me to go pre- preach um, at this lake. And I was like, and I was like, who's going to be there, you know? And he's like, preach to the air. And I preached to the air. There was nobody there. And, but when I did that, like two girls showed up and they ended up being my clients, you know, and stuff. And it was like kind of a divine connection, but it's kind of like, it started out with no one. It started out with no buildings. You know, when I started my ministry school, there was 25 people that came and we were outside, you know, it's like, sometimes it's like we would go, I would go if it rained, you know, it's just like, I think there was this tenacity to God, you said it. So we're just going to do it. Like, I don't know where it's going to lead us. And, you know, I never, I think in the beginning, I didn't have a heart to build. I didn't really care about building a ministry. I had a heart for a revival. And so I was just healing people, prophesying over to people. And I wasn't doing deliverance in the beginning, but healing and prophesying. And um, it kind of spread a lot locally. You know, I became very like known as a prophetic voice locally, but I wasn't on, you know, 
uh, television, which I was for a while, I'm not anymore, but, or YouTube or anything like that. I, I just did work locally and I, you know, whatever you do in secret, God rewards in the light. And so it's like, I didn't have a platform, but I was healing people and praying for people and prophesying over people, you know, and, you know, sometimes you take up an offering and it's $0 or, you know, it's $5, you know? And so I think the first meeting we did, it was $5 in there, you know, it was like 25 people, but $5, like something ain't right here, but. <laughs> It was just like, you know, it was hard, you know, um, it was very hard. And I think I've learned if you want to build, you have to be intentional. Like there is chance, you know, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, you know, lot, some things are chance, you know, and you divine moments and things like that. But in this day and age, when there's like 7 million ministries or whatever, it's like, if you want to, you have to be intentional about building because it's like, what makes your ministry different than everybody else's? And it's really finding that hyper niche in this season because now everyone's online, everyone's got something. And so I think what, you know, I was working at a church and um, I was the prophetic director at the church. And because of a misunderstanding, I think about discerning the spirits, like they didn't really want me to teach it the way that I do or the way that I share earlier. They asked me to leave. And at that moment, I didn't like, um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I'm like, now what am I going to do? You know? And, um, and that's three weeks later, God told me to go on YouTube. And um, that was like one of the biggest directional keys I've ever gotten, you know, that kind of changed my life because God kind of spoke to me. He said, you know, they may not understand you and what you're going to teach, but there's tons of people all over this world that will understand you. And so I was like, okay, so I just did it, you know, and the first couple of videos, you know, just got a couple hundred views, maybe 100, 200 views, nothing. But I was just doing teaching, you know, I wasn't doing like words and no one, not a lot of people were doing words at that time. Like people were doing like, and if they were, they weren't calling it prophetic because they didn't want to be like that side to it because, you know, YouTube is a secular platform and it's like, they didn't want to. And so I just kind of felt the Lord tell me, just call it a prophetic word, just say what it is. And also, you know, do it like once a month or whatever. And I did that. And, um, the first one got like four or 5,000 views. And I was like, what in the world? Like, you know, it's happening here. But it was like, you know, the anointing makes room for you. And it's like, again, what you do in secret is rewarded in light. And, you know, we didn't have the right cameras. We didn't have lights and, you know, all the things that we do ha have now. It's like we had an iPhone like four, you know, and we have like a, a $25 tripod and we we're sitting on like a couch from Walmart, you know, it's just like, it was not bougie by any means. It was horrible, but people still watch because the anointing was there, you know? And so I think the anointing will bring in the people. Now there does come a point where the Lord kind of spoke to me, the anointing is not enough. And that was really hard for me to understand because I think we kind of have in this spirit led culture, if you're anointed, it will all just work out for you. And it's like, Hey, we're all anointed. You know, we're not all going to be on top. OK, and so it's like sometimes we use the anointing as an excuse to be lazy and not be excellent. You know, well, I'm anointed. I spend time with God. Yeah. OK, well, what well, did could you do you with say the rest that again? of the day? Could you please say that one more time? <laughs> Just one more time. Wait, what part? You what said part? you no, said what? people use the anointing as an excuse to be lazy. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think people use the anointing as an excuse to be lazy because like, it's like, okay, I spent two hours with God and that's great. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And that's what you need to do probably uh, if you're called to ministry, but it's like, but then what'd you do the rest of the next 10 hours of the day? You know, it's like, oh, I spent time with, and there's like this sense of entitlement. Well, that's all I'm called to do. And it's like, is it, you know, it's like, if you really want something of value that the whole world can have, you know, it's like, I think you have to like be excellent at it. You know, it's like, and so, you know, with YouTube too, it was just like, okay, we got to get the right lights. We got to get the right camera. We got to learn YouTube as a platform, not just throw stuff on there and hope it sticks to the wall. Like we have to understand how this thing works, you know? And so we just, um, I don't know. And so I think people have to understand that success is not guaranteed. You know, it's like you have to work for success, you know? And so, I don't know. I think that I learned that because I was like, I'm praying four hours every day and I'm still broke. So I don't understand what the problem is here. But what I understood, what I had to learn is I needed a biblical financial education, you know? And so I had to get, just saturate myself with every scripture and the word of God that has to do with money, you know? And it could be the same for any area of life. If you want success in a certain area of life, it's like saturate yourself with the verses on that topic. So I don't know. I guess that's something. Yeah, that that's definitely something. And for those um, who have never uh, seen any of Kay's ministry online, she has actually some great teachings online that'll kind of start you in that process. She has a book as well um, about finance, and that can kind of start to get your your wheels rolling in terms of what are the scriptures to focus on and what are the things to pray about and and all that. And I would highly recommend all that as well. Um, and when you say that that spirit of excellence, I think that it's important for us to realize that as as believers, people are watching us to try to figure out how is our life changing because we say we're walking with Jesus. Like they they want to see it tangibly. Like you were a jerk right. before. If you're still a jerk now, there's a problem. Yes. And they're also yeah. sometimes looking for you know you were you were broke as a joke before. Is your finances changing? Is your happiness changing? Now, yes, that doesn't mean that everybody's called to riches and, and, and you know, millions, and, and I'm not saying that at all. But it's just important, I think, for us to steward the life in general, that whatever God does want for you to have, make sure that you get it. <laughs> make sure that you yeah. walk that journey out. I think that's so important. Right. Yeah. So, Jason, if the, oh, if go the ahead. Christian looks, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead with whatever you wanted to say. Yeah, because if, if a Christian looks like the world, like you're not offering them anything. And it's like, what are you offering them? Like, what's the proposition here? Like, how are you going to persuade them for Christ when you are in the same depressed, broke, complaining situation as them? It's like, you have to offer them something more. It doesn't mean you have to be a millionaire. You don't, but you have to be changed. Maybe you're happier. You know, maybe you're more successful. Maybe you like got over an addiction that you used to struggle with. You know, it's like, how can Christ help them in the same way that he helped you? And so uh, it's not always true. I mean, sometimes the Lord just blasts people. I mean, you know, we see that with Saul turning into Paul, basically. It's like, there's a blasting that happens. And so it's not always true, but I think what you said is true. It's like, we just have to be examples of Christ. You know, we have sure. to live like Christ in order to win people to Christ or otherwise they might run from Christ because we scare 
sorry, you know. So. Right, and it's I think it's acknowledging that that he may be changing or focusing on one specific thing in this season of your life. So maybe in one season, maybe he's not going to be changing your finances yet, but he is changing um, the the man or the woman who will eventually obtain those finances. He's working on mm. your character, right? He's working on your values. He's working on your integrity. And so, you know, really getting to the heart of, Lord, what are you trying to change within me in this season? What are you trying to work on for me in this season? And really hunkering there, I think is so so, so critical. Yeah, I think that is really important because we're all in different seasons. And I think it's sometimes good to ask God, you know, what's my word for the year or what's my word for the month or something like that? Like, what do you really want me to hone in on in this season? You know, because the Bible says the sons of Issachar knew the times and the seasons. And so it's like, but we we don't have to just know the corporate seasons. We need to know our seasons too. Like, what's, what's I really need to focus on? Because yeah, stewarding a lot of money is also like a responsibility you know it's like you have to account for all that money you have to pay all your people like i have to pay people you know it's like <laughs> i can't just take that money and run off with it and go shopping like i have to pay people what i said i'm gonna pay them you know and so it's like it's that level of responsibility like that integrity of doing what you said you're gonna do you know let your yes be yes and your no be no unless you know there's an emergency circumstance but it's like in general it's like that integrity that God knows, like wherever, whatever he says, you're going to do it. And so I think, yeah, it's just focusing on your season, knowing what you're supposed to do and just really owning that. And it's sometimes it can be boring. You're like, I'm still working on the pride season. I'm still working on the anger season. I'm still working, you know, whatever. But it's like, but, you know, as you get rid of a devil, the next promotion comes, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like, we hold on to our demons too long. Because we're like, oh, well, I'm just this way. It's like, are you just that way? Or are you listening to a demon? You don't know how to resist it. And so you're stuck in the same situations because demons often come with something. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you're in the same situation because you keep giving into that same demon. So you're in the same situation. It's like a cycle. And so as you pass that demon's test, you get to the next level. That's it. Well, they're taking the test as their identity. The right. test is coming to reveal to them who they are in this moment and what they can overcome in this moment through Christ. But they're taking it as, well, this is just who I am. And so I think mm -hmm. that that's important for anybody listening today. If you have been stuck in the wrong place for way too long, mm -hmm. ask yourself what you're mm -hmm. identifying with as you. That is something mm -hmm. that you're supposed to be getting through in that season. Or I heard a word that you yeah. said recently where you said, or something that the Lord intends for you to get around in the season of your mm. life. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, so Jason, do you have any any final thoughts, final questions or anything before I go to my my last question for Kay? Yep. I would say my last question for you, Kay. Um, of course, as, as much as you want to share, as we're talking about this season, we got to be able to discern like what is your season and everything. Mm. Would you be open to sharing with us what like what where's your season now? Because we, sure. we've gone through your journey from where you were, from where you've mm -hmm. been. Now, where where is Kay now and where does it feel like you're headed from what the Lord's telling you for you? I think right now, I think we're in a season of organization and management. You know, I think to who much is given, much is required. And it's like trying to manage five different conferences, a successful YouTube channel, you know, 
books, staff, products, all that stuff. It's just like hyper organization time and making things excellent too. Like I'm in the, I want to, and so now I'm saying this publicly, but I want to like, you know, change all the covers of my old books that I feel like are outdated because I don't feel like they're excellent. You know, it's like trying to bring, you know, because it's like, okay, 10 years ago, that might have been excellent, but it ain't excellent no more. You know, styles have changed, qualities have changed, you know, and things like that. And so it's like kind of upping us to a standard of excellence across the board in the ministry so God can take us to the next level. And um, yeah, but also just managing staff and emails and things like that. It's just like that can be... um a lot like and I you know because I I think like I have to learn not to be so much in my ministry from the back end you know and start delegating more stuff and you know and it's hard to like let your baby go you know but your baby's a teenager and they got to go play with their friends sometimes now you know but it's hard because you're just like okay like don't mess it up you know like this is do it right. You know, <laughs> like you don't want to let go of that control. And so it's just like letting go of control and trusting other people and, and trusting that, you know, even if they like make a mistake, you know, that God knows they're going to make that mistake and that like somehow we can still clean it up, you know, cause we have made mistakes, you know, when you're, we've been having funny things happen recently because two of the, two of the conference hosts, both of their names start with the letter D like Denise and Delsa. And so my assistant and myself have both messed up several times, like emailing the wrong person, or I tell her to email the wrong person. And then we have two um, hotel managers who both of their names start with S. And so Stephanie and Sarah. And so it's like, we'll be thinking we're talking to one and not the other. And it's just like, oh my gosh. Like, But it's just like little stuff like that, that it's like, okay, like we have to be like even more diligent and more hyper-organized so we don't keep having these same mistakes again. You know, but I don't know. So I think it's just really learning to manage the ship and to, you know, make things better than they are now. But yeah. That is uh, such an excellent um, answer. And I know the beginning of it, you said you were making it public. Uh, but, you know, with your books, uh, I know that that your most recent book came out pretty recently. So that one wasn't 10 years ago uh, as you came out with your prophetic journal. And this would actually be a great time. Uh, I know that we wanted, Jason and I wanted to actually offer for one of our listeners a chance to get that journal. You talked earlier about mm-hmm. how incredibly important it can be to write down what you're hearing as you sit with God. And actually, we we have a copy here in our home. This is actually my wife's copy. And so um, the, the discipline of sitting down with these prompts, which will actually get you to really think about and question certain things and then ask God about certain things and certain subjects and all that. Um, so we would love to actually give somebody a chance to get one of those books that don't need to be redesigned <laughs> in terms of yeah, the cover. This, this is a newer book. This is not something from like 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what we're going to do is, uh, if you are interested, uh, the first person who who emails Jason at EWT Productions, you will be able to get a copy. Uh, excuse me, a copy of Kay's book, her prophetic journal, and I promise you, like it will be something that will change your prayer life because you will be you will be seeking God in a fresh, in an innovative way, and it changes monthly. Like there's there's a whole bunch of different approaches that she has in here, and I think that it's going to really help you and bless you. So uh, if you guys are interested jason at ewt productions 
All right. So I, I, I have like basically like one final question for you. And then if you have any final things you want to say, you have the ability okay. to, again, if you guys have been enjoying this today, uh, please do subscribe, leave your comments, share this with somebody. Um, please help sure uh, that help us make sure that this is spreading to all the people who need to he this hear this powerful, powerful message. So, okay. This is the, this is like the million dollar question. Okay. You'll, you'll probably hate me as I'm in the middle of it, but you'll do just fine. Okay. <laughs> So this is a question that we ask everyone. So I want you to imagine that it is a hundred years from now and there is a, a cultural museum where in that museum, there are all these relics and artifacts from this day and age, this time right here. They walk into the museum and there is a room marked hope. And when they walk inside, there is a, a section where there are time capsules and there's a time capsule with the name Prophetess K. Nash. And inside of it, mm -hmm. there are books with, with new covers uh, that are in there. And there are pictures of you, um, you know, at some of your, your, your major conferences and events and photos of you and your family. And there's all these things. Mm -hmm. And then they find this recording. And this recording is you giving your thoughts on what hope is. And how a, per a person can lean on hope to change their life. What do you say to that person? Hope is God. Um, I think the only hope you really have in this life is God. Um, because, you know, it's like people will always fail you because people are broken. And it's like, at any moment, someone, you know, Satan entered into Judas, and, but Judas was among them. And so I think that, and he had the power, you know, it says he gave the power to the 12. Judas was one of those 12. And so it's like at any moment, someone could change, be different, um, not be reliable. And so I think that the only hope we really have is God. The only reliable one we really have is God. And for us to even hope in ourselves is unreliable because we don't do everything we want to do every day. Like some days we're like, why did I do that? Or I should have done that. And it's like, we can't even hope in ourselves because our flesh is unreliable. And so I think, you know, we have to hope in God and, and we have to seek him and we have to hear him. And as we listen to his voice, everything is there for us. And so we have to discern the spirits and we have to check our hearts. But if we hear him right, everything we want is there for us, even if we don't know we want it. Um, and even if it seems like he's holding out on us right now, it's like he doesn't hold out for no reason. Like he's not just evil. Like if he's holding out, there is a reason. And sometimes you can't see it in the moment. You can't see it in the moment. Um, you're just like mad because God won't move or God won't do something or you're confused. If you're not mad, you don't understand God denied do the right things. Are you mad at me? What's going on? Da, da, da. But it's like you have to trust the goodness of God that there is a reason, even if you don't understand it. And in his time, he'll reveal it as you seek him. And so the simple answer is if there's anything to hope in, it's him.
If there's anything to hope in, it is God. And you are certainly an example of what God can do in a life Mm -hmm. and how God, um, he takes care of and certainly rewards those who diligently continue to seek after him and perfectly as we all do as humans, right? But the grace and mercy Mm -hmm. he gives us, you are a great Mm -hmm. example of. And so we certainly just thank you for joining us today. This has been such a great conversation. Um, Are there there any final words, final thoughts? Is there anything um, that you want to make sure that um, the people who are listening today know about you or just know in general anything that maybe the Lord has even given you a word in this moment, anything that you have as we wrap today? I think the word I'm hearing right now is just go after what God has for you. You know, I see this person and they just have like, like this little chain on the right foot and the chain says fear. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, the Bible says that fear brings a snare. And the fear of man brings a snare. And so it's just like, I think sometimes we're so worried about culture and worried about people and worried about what everyone would think. But I just want to encourage anyone that's watching us to go do what God has for you, to go run that race that he has for you. He has good plans for you. He loves you. He wants you to win. God is not holding you back. You are Jesus. You have to run the race that God has for you. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be pretty, but there is another side to this. Don't give up hope in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm. If someone wants to find me, um, they can go to kaynashministries.com or they could just type in kaynash on YouTube and I'll probably show up over there. But yeah. Perfect. And if you guys are are listening um, on any uh, on the podcast, uh, if you look in the description, you'll see links. If you guys are watching on YouTube, you will see links there um, to Kay's ministry as well. Um, but to everybody who's listening today, we just appreciate you joining us. And of course, to UK, thank you for taking the time uh, to come to to this podcast. You certainly didn't come because we have we have earned anything in terms of our size. And so uh, we we certainly appreciate um, your yes today. And I'm quite sure. It has blessed many people. And so for everybody who's listening, we hope that what you got out of today was that she said, the diligence in which you seek the Lord, you will begin to find everything that the Lord has for you in your life. So begin to seek him, find him, and you will begin to find things that are so beautiful that he has for you in this life. And and we also hope that next Monday you will join us again, where we will find some other gems uh, from someone else who God has placed in our midst. So we'll see you for Hope Rising, where the unfulfilled go for, for fulfillment and the uninspired go for inspiration. We'll see you soon.